Welcome to episode 3. Today we're featuring two killer catastrophes from the master of horror himself, Stephen King. So, pour that pig's blood and get ready for the fireworks because it's time for Frightful Failures! comic strips you know him right you would have recognized that name um so so he's a uh, a regular at the at, at the restaurant so he came in and i i served him the other day and you know zach i i couldn't i could not ask him i could not ask him i had to ask i said uh, mr young are you uh <laughs> this is so funny i said mr young are you gonna order like a like a big like a big huge sandwich like dagwood are you gonna order a, a big old sandwich <laughs> uh, i'm kidding actually i asked him if he'd ever masturbated to a picture of blondie that he'd drawn excellent well that's great uh i don't think i'll ever truly feel joy in my heart in it. oh hello everyone welcome once again to the frightful failures podcast i'm of course your ghost host with the most, Zach Romero. Joining me, as always, is your ghost host with the most, T.N. Guignol. And T.N., what a selection of films we've picked today. Uh, this is a little bit... Uh, yes. Uh, I think, was this our first connecting factor just based on writer? I believe so. Probably. It's yeah, also, I mean, it's also different for us because we typically are picking films that are, uh, I mean, not to play the hipster card here, but are fairly obscure. And these are both pretty well known. These are, these are big movies. So one is very well known in the cult horror sort of community. And one is just a super recent, uh, summer blockbuster. So, uh, two way bigger films than we usually mess around with. Yes, correct. So, uh, I think we're starting here with the older of the two films, correct? Mm, yes. Excellent. So we're starting with 1986's Maximum Overdrive, written for the screen and directed by Stephen King. Now, before we talk about the film itself, can we talk a little bit about the advertising on this film and how this film is presented versus how the film actually exists? Yes, please. So, if you ever look into, uh, like, the original trailers or whatnot of this film, it's like Stephen King, no glasses, full googly eyes, uh, talking directly to the camera, mentioning and lamenting about how uh, he's written all these different scripts and things like that, and all of his stories have been adapted to, to the screen, and no one really does it exactly right, so he decided if you're going to do it right, to do it yourself, and so... He wants you to join him in this film, and he's going to, quote, scare the hell out of you. That's the And that's the whole premise. The movie poster looks just like that, too. It's like him standing goofy in the middle of the poster, and it's like, oh, the master of horror is going to make you pee-pee on yourself. It's, it's presented in this way of like, oh, for some reason, all these other directors have somehow, like, watered down the genius of Stephen King, and now we're going to get it, like, straight from the tap. Uh, fuck Stanley Kubrick. He didn't know what he was doing with The Shining. This is the real shit. And uh, and I, I would go on a limb and say that's not what is delivered. Would you agree? 
Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I think that this is horrifying. Uh, better than The Shining, first off. That's my uh, first takeaway. Better than The Shining. That really should have been the tagline of the movie. <laughs> better than Maximum The Shining. Drive. It's better than The Shining. It should have been just the title of the movie, to be honest. Maximum Better Than That's Shining. True. That's true. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, it's, it's hard to talk about Maximum Overdrive without... Uh, you'll notice this, not, not just among us, but anyone who brings up Maximum Overdrive, usually one of the first few sentences out of their mouth after, uh, oh, you know, this movie, I love it or I hate it or it's so great or it's so terrible, whatever, you'll get different takeaways. But usually one of the first few sentences is, yeah, apex of Stephen King cocaine era. <laughs> yeah, no, this is like King Coke Daddy Stephen King time frame <laughs> he really is he was more cocaine than man back then he really uh, he, he was, was and you know this. what when you watch this movie you could really tell <laughs> you sure can <laughs> well, so, well, so i guess let's i was gonna say let's discuss the actual like i guess plot of the film yeah please please so, uh, lay it out for those who don't know so the film takes place uh mostly in like this little truck stop gas station but basically the premise is uh earth is going through the tail of this comet and somehow, kind of, sort of unexplained, uh, a lot of the Earth's machinery becomes sentient and turns against the human race. So you see things like people killed by soda machines and hair dryers and and uh, arcade cabinets and all these things are turning against people. Uh, the movie starts with like a bridge. Uh, lifting midway through traffic and like knocking a bunch of shit around and stuff, um, but the, then the main focus comes just at this truck stop called the Dixie Boy, where a litany of big rig trucks are all sentient and they've basically got this group of people trapped at the truck stop and they're just kind of causing anarchy. And then we see some of the members, some of the survivors of this group, attempting to escape. Um, and sort of wait out the storm, and and that's the basic skeleton structure of this film. Um, it's supposedly based off a short that Stephen King wrote called Trucks, and um, I could certainly see that making a little more sense, because uh, the first thing that stuck out to me about this film, this film doesn't really follow its own rules all that great. No, it sure doesn't, uh, because you you would think that it's operating just purely on, oh, devices, anything that's plugged into an outlet, uh, but then immediately is like, oh, yeah, but also cars, which I guess you could, the, 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 the sort of little gap there is, well, you know, cars have battery in them, so there's, you know, a, a, a large electrical component to cars, but still, it, it, it you know, uh, a gas pump freaking out. I mean, I guess they're like, okay, it, it, it really, it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't form a very good through line in terms of, hey, you should recognize this kind of device is the kind that is going to develop sentience or, or turn against its human masters because a goddamn lawnmower that does, that doesn't have, that doesn't run electricity. That's purely a gas machine. Well, yeah. So, so- Cars are somehow unaffected, but big rig trucks are, you know, are affected. So then you go, okay, so maybe it's just like, you know, big machines then. But then it's like, oh no, hair dryers, lawnmowers, arcade cabinets, those are all affected too. Uh, An electric, uh, like, turkey knife is affected at one point. So it's like, okay, no, so then 
I guess everything except for cars, and sometimes guns, because there's a part where a little army car comes in with a gun attached, which somehow that powers it, I, which doesn't that doesn't really connect. But anyway, it's got a gun, and the gun can shoot people, and that's not good. But then the survivors have, like, a cache of guns, and they're fine, and they don't turn against them. So yeah, the movie doesn't really follow its own line of logic. And overall, if I had to kind of describe it, the, it doesn't really feel like a movie. It's it's just sort of like a series of scenes kind of loosely hooked together. It doesn't really build tension. It doesn't really build like a character arc. It's just sort of like, I don't know, man, wouldn't this be crazy? Like, that's kind of the vibe I got from this movie. Now, Master of Horror Stephen King, uh, in advertising this film as you are going to pee-pee and poo-poo and maybe even number three in your pants. Oh, not number three. That's the that's the scariest of all. <laughs> it really is. Um, do you think that if the uh, soundtrack to this film was not just ACDC, that it would build a little more tension or be a little scarier? Probably. Now, keep in mind, for anybody, again, who's not familiar, the reason why the band, the hard rock band ACDC does literally the entire soundtrack is because, quote, they're Stephen King's favorite band. <laughs> like, that is how insane this film is in terms of, like, behind-the-scenes creation. And also, uh, Tien, did you read who the original pick for the hero was instead of Emilio Estevez? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Stephen King wanted goddamn Bruce Springsteen to be the lead in this movie. Because I'm sure... Uh, why didn't quote, that happen? He thought he was pretty cool. I, because Bruce Springsteen probably went, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not going to be in the goddamn Monster Truck movie. So let's 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 delve into a little more nuts and bolts here. Because like I said, I gave the entire synopsis of this yes. film. Um, let's try to dig into anything that stands out to you in any way. And, and I'm going to break new ground here because this was my pick. I, I made the nostalgia pick here and I have to say, and I want to, I want to say this is history on this show. This movie is just dumb. Yeah. This for is sure. a dumb movie. Like it's, I consider it basically harmless, but this is a dumb movie. It's just dumb. It doesn't really bring anything to but the keep, table, but keep in mind. And, and, and I sort of brought this up. There's a lot of people who really like this movie that consider this one of their favorite cult classic horror films. If you can call it a horror film. It, it's really, like I said, it's not. It's way uh, more it, of a comedy or a nothing than it would be horror. Yeah. I mean, it's like calling They Live Horror. Because they, although They Live does actually have uh, scenes that are sort of tense. Um, for the most part, They Live is mm -hmm. designed to be more like an action movie. It's not really, by definition, horror. Um, and this is the same thing here, which is why the marketing is so stupid. But honestly, the reason I even brought up the whole ACDC thing, aside from the fact that I fucking hate ACDC, to be honest, um, I feel like the two types of people that like ACDC are high schoolers and dads. And occasionally those two cross over. Um, but... Uh, I think that you could really well, do Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the official last episode of Frightful Fairies because I fucking love ACDC. <laughs> Why? And you're Are a you a shit. dad so or in high school? Are you either of those things? I'm kind of in between. <laughs> somewhere you in the are, middle. You uh, are, so, dad bod, but with the mentality of a high schooler. Th thanks. Again, last episode. Hope you've all enjoyed it. <laughs> We've had a great run. 
fuck you and fuck the show. It's been a great three-episode run back to the show. Uh, okay, but but here's the thing. Listen, you, you have to agree that uh, ACDC sucks. No, no. You have to agree that y- you could do a case study with this film where if you took some of the scenes and you left them shot exactly like they were and you replaced the ACDC with... I don't know, a cinematic score, uh, that it might actually be kind of tense. And uh, there's a specific scene I'm thinking about, and it's the one where the kid who joins up with the Dixie Boy crew uh, is riding down the street, and he's looking around at all the various deaths that he can just see from his bicycle, people hanging out the window, in their car, people dead... And he's kind of reacting to these bodies, but there's ACDC playing the whole time, so there's no sense of tension whatsoever. He might as well be riding around just looking at decorations. Uh, there's no, uh, it feels like there's no consequence. Uh, no, I would, here's what I'll say on, you're absolutely right. I'm going to start with that. You're right. Um, I personally, I may enjoy ACDC, but as a soundtrack, I don't think so. Especially not a, a complete soundtrack. Like, I would get it if you were making like a big Harry Balls, you know, action movie and you were going to use like For Those About to Rock or something like that. As cliche as it is, I would get where you're coming from. But in terms of like, no, beginning, middle, end movie all done by ACDC is a terrible idea. Because, yeah, there's no, even in the movie, there's parts where it's like the script clearly demands like, okay, this is like a quiet scene. It's supposed to be spooky. What music options do we have? I don't know. There's like kind of the beginning of a couple of songs that start with just like sort of a little bit of percussion. That's the best we can do. Like that's like, that's it. That's the best you can do is either the very beginning or very, very end of a song might have something kind of quiet. But even then, it's like you're just jamming something in there because you couldn't just have silence. All right, uh, tell you what. Let, 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 uh, so I'm going to challenge you again on this whole ACDC thing. Um, so we're, we're going to play a quick little game. I'm going to play you a sample of an ACDC song, and you're going to see if you can identify okay. what goddamn song it is because that's the main problem with this band is that every single song sounds exactly the same. Okay, so uh, listen up. With Medicare Solutions designed to help you age actively. Are you looking for a Medicare company? Am I? Not yet. I mean, I'm pretty old, but... There you go. You get uh, five seconds of it. Uh, could you tell what song that was? <laughs> um, can I hear it again? Uh, sure. I would... What do you think? Uh, TNT. God damn it. All right. Well, fu- <laughs> and that's, that's, okay. Uh, one, that's more, bon, one more. One more. One more. One more. One more. One more. Hang that's on. Bon Scott TNT, you little shit. Bon Scott TNT. Is there a difference? That's the original singer. Yes, because there's Bon Scott was the first was the first major singer. Then he died. Then he replaced him with Brian Johnson. Well, how about that? That's Hell's Bells. Fine. Well, whatever. If you're a big fat ACDC fan, then I guess you could know what it was. Oh, wow! Okay. <laughs> wow. Again, we're getting thrown off of iTunes. Uh, there you go. All right. So, so nevertheless, despite my 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 clear fandom for this terrible band from Australia, um, no, they don't they don't fit as a full soundtrack. Absolutely not. Um, 
And in fact, even I, when the scene that plays uh, for those about to rock, it doesn't fit in that scene. It's Emilio Estevez and some goofy guy, like, squatting and, like, running to try to avoid big, sentient, big rig trucks. Like, at no point in that scene am I like, man, this scene's pretty badass. Like, no, this is all very, very dumb. The other thing is, the solution, the resolution of this film for the survivors is they just take the guns that they magically find and they make a run for it, like, down the street to get to a boat because they're going to go to, like, an Amish island where there's no technology. Okay, that's fine. That's not great, but fine. Whatever. They just wait for some reason. Like, they wait until we've reached, I guess, an hour mark yeah. in the film and then go, oh, right, now we can go. Like, there's nothing really standing in their way in terms of what... There's no real obstacle saying, like, no, no, you can't do that plan until X happens. Like, it's just suddenly they're like, well, we should probably get out of here. And then that's it. That's one of the things that's, like, very frustrating about this film is, again, there's no real tension being built. So eventually they're just like, "Ah, I guess we should probably... Yeah, it's not like... because, Because it reminds me a lot of Dawn of the Dead. You know, it's a very similar concept. You, you've got... Uh, I think a, that's what they were probably shooting for. Yeah, it's a ragtag group of people, you know, very different sort of characters, uh, teamed up, holed up, and eventually, I mean, it even ends with a boat. You know, they're getting on a boat, and they're uh, they're sailing off to presumably a better life. And um, the difference being that Dawn of the Dead does build and build. That, you know, that you, you see them starting off with, oh, you see a few zombies, there's definitely some zombies here, and then eventually it's just overwhelming. They're surrounded, and they know they have to get out of the mall. Uh, and that doesn't really happen with this. It's not like you're seeing more and more monster trucks so, yeah, no, um, all I'll say is that of the few things I actually like about this movie, creating an iconography is sort of good. Um, I mean, they, the lead, sort of the, the, the primary antagonist truck in this film is the toy truck with the giant goblin face on the front. And that's become very recognizable. I mean, despite the fact this movie is very bad, uh, you see that goblin face and you're like, oh, that's uh, the truck from Maximum Overdrive. So, I mean, that's good. I'm glad they at least went so far as to do that, to create something recognizable. True. Very true. And I do. I I do think that's an interesting look. And I was like, okay, cool, yeah. And the stupid eyes glow red. And it's like, okay, that's that's interesting. Um, One thing, again, to sort of, like, illustrate the mishandling of things is there's a part halfway through the movie where the trucks are running out of gas because they just keep running and they just keep keeping kind of the circle tight around the truck stop and blah, blah, blah. So they're running out of fuel. So then they like gun, they hold the people by gunpoint ransom. Hey, fill up the truck so we can keep running. Kind of a tense scene. There's like Emilio's like walking out and the guns like following him. And you're like, okay, this is kind of building some tension. But then it literally becomes, like, a fill-up montage. Like, it just goes on and on and on and shows people, like, taking turns filling up these trucks. And they're like, oh, you sons of bitches. Like, and that's it. And I'm like, well, what are we doing here? Like, what is the point of this? Um, I do want to point out a couple of things that I that I did enjoy. So, as I agree with you. I do like the look of the toy truck with the Green Goblin face on the front. That's very interesting. And it, it does lend itself to be a definite icon of this film. I also enjoyed Pat Hinkle as the uh, the truck stop owner. I thought that he was just so 
cartoonishly evil for no reason. And the fact that he called everybody Bubba, even though his name was Bubba, which doesn't make any sense. That would be like if my nickname for people to be a dick, I was like, hey there, Zach, why don't you go clean up the toilet? Like, why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and I also thought the Bible salesman was was funny. I thought he was uh, <laughs> ridiculous as well. And might have been some kind of like... Yeah, I like that quite a bit. That's a, a very, very 80s. Oh, Absolutely. And I don't know if that was like supposed to be like a like a like a statement that Stephen King was trying to make of like oh religion blah, 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 like because he's like seedy and gross. But I just love the stupid. He's like oh you should buy my Bibles because blah 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 and you're gonna find the love you're looking for little lady. And then like one of the truck like one of the rig, big rig trucks like takes a dump on his car and he's like you son of a bitch. And then when he gets up he shoves the waitress and goes get my way bitch. And I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> And I, and again, it's like super telegraphed, but I just thought that was really funny. Of like, oh, he just calls her a bitch just immediately. Yeah. Um, but then he gets hit by the truck, falls into a ditch, and then they're like, oh, we got to go save him. But he's dead. But he's kind of uses a jump scare. That whole part I thought was just terrible. I was just like, this is just dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah, um, there, there's a lot of uh, deaths and injuries in this movie where you really cannot tell. Uh, if it was uh, intended to look like, oh, yeah, he's absolutely dead, or if it was just kind of a boop, and he was one of them where uh, the car backs up and hits him, and the way it's filmed, it looks like, oh, he just got knocked into the mud. He's he's absolutely alive. Pride doesn't even have a broken bone. He, he just got bumped into the mud, and it's silly, and now they're going to go get him. Um, but, but they play it like he is on death's doorstep. So... It's very odd, and there's a lot like that where, you know, there'll, there'll be like a little bump or a little, you know, owie and a giant splatter of blood on the side of a car or something like that. Yeah, well, I was going to say, the, the the soda can death where the coach gets hit in the pee-pee with a can of Coke, because this is a horror movie, but then he gets hit in the forehead and then they're like, he's fucking dead. And I'm like, what? 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 Are, what? Yeah, that's and another then, example. Absolutely, it's like it's played for laughs. Like, oh man, soda cans just hitting him. See, it's not. It's not all death here uh, in Maximum Overdrive. So it's a lot of slapstick humor, more like slap dick humor. And, but but yeah, they they they. But then there's the kid who gets literally run over with a steamroller, and it's just covered in blood. And you're like, Jesus Almighty! Or the 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 scene in the beginning with the bridge. There's like it's literally thirty seconds within the film. And there's, like, two different people who completely eat shit through their windshield of their yeah. car. Like, the violence at times is so unbelievable. And then there's other times where they're just like, oh, he got bonged with the bean. Like, it's just like, what are, what are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, it, it's, it's, the, the movie uh, definitely has no weight to it at all. And I mean that, uh, yes, I, and good, I mean that metaphorically true. and literally because... You know what I'm talking about. There has to be a weight, and this happens a lot in video games as well, where you have to show the audience and have them understand how heavy something is um, in order to have the effect. So it's like Thor's hammer, for instance. Like, you're you're introduced to this object. You know how heavy it is because you watch Thor set it on Loki's chest and he can't get up or whatever. So that way, when someone picks it up, you go, oh, holy fuck. Um 
And this movie doesn't have any sense of that at all. It starts in the very beginning because you've got this bridge slowly rising and you're like, oh, well, this isn't a big deal. Maybe it's just kind of slowly introducing to us the concept that these machines are evil as this bridge slowly rises and some watermelons start to fall off the back of a truck and people act like the goddamn sky is falling, you know, from these watermelons falling off the back of a truck. And, and all of a sudden it goes from what could honestly just be a comic scene happening in the background, like background action, to watermelons are shooting through people's windshields and heads are exploding. So uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't give you any sense of this is how the physics in this movie works. It just kind of is whatever suits the moment. Oh, and TN, let's not forget that scene is... It comes right after the Stephen King cameo where he's going to the ATM machine. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. So the movie's like, what the? Whoa, computers. And then we go to Drawbridge. Oh, it's going up. Oh, hey, here's a woman flying through the windshield of her car she's definitely fucking dead you're like okay this is a little totally inconsistent here film so overall i would say this is a dumb but yeah dumb movie. The, the, the the movie is completely tonally uh d- does not understand itself at all and by the way that intro scene could really summarize the whole movie just saying like stephen king you're an asshole <laughs> well and, and and to sort of wrap up here Stephen King has gone on record several times since then being like, hey, I was coked out of my mind. Clearly, I'm not a very good director. Like, that was a huge mistake. That was a dumb movie. Um, So, like, he's even come away from it kind of agreeing with us of, like, this was a very dumb idea. Um, But, yeah, it is a very interesting sort of time capsule of, like, hey, he was so big at the time that he could fail. It's sort of the... Um, it's not a great example, but it's sort of the Dolly lobster phone of uh, Stephen King projects of like, oh, he thought he could just jerk off and just knock out another head. And it was like, oh, no, no, no. You got to put some thought into this, buddy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, overall, and I again, making history here because I made the nostalgia pick. Usually I'm, you know, uh, the nostalgia cuck. I apologize for it so you don't have to. Um <laughs> I'm usually the guy who who kind of gives a pass to these films and I'm coming out and saying this is just dumb dumb movie and I just couldn't I couldn't get into it. I was like this is just so stupid. And this is obviously we we're we're here celebrating the release of Maximum Overdrive on Blu-ray for the first time ever. Which again, so, the uh, cover you know, of go the Blu-ray out, get yourself than the a movie copy. itself. Yeah, I agree completely. It's fantastic art on the cover. Any final thoughts uh, yeah, on no, uh, Maximum Overdrive here? Uh, like Emilio was fine in this, I guess. Uh, I enjoyed the the owner being a cartoon villain. Uh, the truck is pretty cool. Uh, this is a dumb movie that doesn't follow its own rules, and it's very cocaine heavy. Stephen King, you're an asshole. <laughs> you're an asshole. <laughs> that should have been the end. Oh yeah, look. Oh. Fuck, I forgot. Let's talk about the ending real, real quick. Sure. So, the survivors get away. Hey, great. Then there's just a text block at the end. Oh, my God. That just says, like, oh, yeah, the Earth was in the comet's tail, and then there was a UFO there as well, and then a Russian weather satellite that just happened to have a laser beam on it blasted the UFO out of the sky, so everything's back to normal. Because Emilio makes a passing comment 
he makes a passing comment earlier that like, oh, maybe the reason why everything got sentient is because there's aliens that want to inhabit Earth, but because Earth is kind of a shit show, they sent in their broom or their cleaner, which are the machines becoming sentient, so they're going to clear us all out, so then the aliens can can inhabit it. To which there is no response. Like, everyone just goes, okay, Emilio, thanks, and that's it. But then the movie at the end is like, no, Emilio was right, that's exactly what was going on. And it's like, what, what, what the fuck? It really felt like they finished filming and they were like, all done, and they were like, Steven, uh, you didn't explain any of this shit, by the way. Oh, uh, put a paragraph up at the end. That's fine. <laughs> it's precisely what it is. Um, it's, uh, yeah, well, well it, we're, we're glad to know that the uh, aliens did not take over. Uh, they were not able to use their machines against us. So now we can go back to uh, using our uh, toothbrushes and vibrators and other electronic devices. Yeah, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. Let's take a break. <laughs> Okay, Zach, this is so exciting. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure if you've uh, if you've heard, but uh, making a live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and I, I, I shit you not, buddy, they sent us an exclusive trailer for it. So, uh, first time exclusive here on Frightful Failures. We're going to be playing this trailer for people, So, and then we'll maybe we can kind of talk about our impression afterwards, okay? So, uh, here we go. Let's just, uh, without further ado, let's just play this trailer. In a world where robots have taken over the city, one... <laughs> I, I, that was me doing a robot sound. One man, but not a man. Oh, hang on. No, not a man are needed to save the city. Uh, Tien, I don't want to do this. This is a stupid... This is terrible. <laughs> I don't want to do this. What? This is a... Hey, <laughs> what's going on? Someone's interrupting the trailer. Do, no, uh, because uh, this is all the worst parts. I'm terrible at impressions. The, I, I have no idea that they're making a, a live-action Sonic. This is... Okay, hold on. Uh, let me just uh, scrub ahead in the trailer. <laughs> Zach's being a real spoil sport here. <laughs> No, I don't want... Okay, no, I'm, just I'm, I'm putting an executive order in. I don't want to do this bit. This oh. is terrible. <laughs> I, why would they make a Sonic movie? And why would Jim Carrey play Eggman? You should have, like, a larger fucking actor play Eggman. Like, someone who's fat and angry. Well, that's really... Guy play that's Eggman. Really, why is, why is that's Jim really Carrey... fattest, fattest of you uh, to believe that uh, uh, an actor should be... Uh, limited to their their weight, you know. Look at uh, Christian Bale playing Dick Cheney right now. Uh, yes, you're uh, okay. right. Christian right. Bale should uh, play Doctor Eggman before Jim Carrey should. Yes, he should. That'd be fantastic. Okay, well, okay. Let me just get to the part where Eggman says, "Alrighty then." <laughs> <laughs> that was what this is all building towards, wasn't it, you fucker? Okay, so <laughs> yeah. All right, so Sonic comes in the room, and Eggman says. <laughs> Somebody stop me! I hate this show. I hate this show. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Who's playing Sonic, though? Is it Ryan Reynolds? God, I hate you. 
Okay. All right. Well, uh, there was your exclusive look at <laughs> no, Sonic the Hedgehog, everybody. Don't put that uh, in. So, oh. All right. Um, well, um, let's get back to the show. Yeah, please. Oh, Jesus. All right. So now let's get on to the next film in the gruesome twosome here. The most recent of Stephen King uh, film projects. The Dark Tower, which was released in 2017, starring Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, this was supposed to be a catalyst for basically a Dark Tower franchise. It was supposed to spin off into a TV show, into uh, all kinds of shit. Probably a series of films, I'm sure. Um, it was supposed to be the catalyst of this big, big juggernaut of, of entertainment. And it fell pretty flat. Um it was not critically acclaimed. It was pretty shit on heavily. And we're going to be doing that here, basically. We're late to the party. Yes. But let's also take shots at this movie. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, it's interesting because uh, this is really conceptually, uh, uh, as, as, as a movie, this is the complete opposite of Maximum Overdrive. Because Maximum Overdrive is based on essentially nothing. Maybe a short story. Uh, was it a published short story, Trucks? It was, I, in, it was in the Night Shift book. It but, was in um, Night Shift? Okay. But it All was right. really mostly focused on just the, the aspect of like, oh, what if these big rig trucks just did what they wanted? So the fact that as soon as he started in, uh, introducing like, Oh, and then the the hair dryer kills you too. Like as soon as that came about, that it was like, okay, we've deviated from the from the from the formula here. Right, but still, it's it's based on a short story and not a beloved short story. I mean, there are some of Stephen King's short stories that are very very loved. Uh, Boogeyman is one of them. Um, uh, Green and, Mile, I, I would say, is technically a short story. Yeah. Oh, isn't Shawshank technically a short story as well? Maybe. Yeah, you might Anyways. be right on that. Um. Uh. Anyhow, uh, we clearly are up on our Stephen King. Um, clearly uh, <laughs> fountains of knowledge yes but the thing is the dark tower is considered by many to be stephen king's magnum opus uh it's seven eight books maybe and people are obsessed with it uh and so this was a film that everyone was hyped for and the casting was fine people were like all right we like idris alba matthew mcconaughey can can pull out a good performance once in a while, so this should be good. And it's not at all. New. And it's also, uh, the other thing that makes it polar opposite to Maximum Overdrive is that Maximum Overdrive is stupid, but it's also ridiculous, and mm -hmm. it's a cult following because of how ridiculous it is. Whereas Dark Tower is, like, insanely boring, and just so generically bad. If I can, the way I sort of summed up my thoughts on it is, at worst, this film feels like I missed a homework assignment, like I was supposed to do some reading or like watch a YouTube video before watching the film. That's at worst. At best, this film is very bland. Yeah, at best. Now, here's my main issue, and I want to go ahead and just kind of get this started with an actually impassioned rant and not just a, a thickly veiled irony over my actual opinions. Um, so, have you read any of the Dark Tower books? I have not read a single one, and I know this was supposed to be a summary of the books as well as a sequel to the books as well as a launching pad for, you know, 
Dark Tower action figures or you know, the, the, the franchise juggernaut. Well, well, the pop vinyls were made, certainly. Um, so I have read the first two books, and I've started the third book. So I consider myself now a fan of the, of the series. I really, okay. really love the second book. First book is good, um, and I'm starting to enjoy the third one. Uh, so I'd consider myself a fan. And so I was actually excited to see kind of what they were going to do here. And my primary issue with this movie, and obviously the, there are, uh, I, I will make the disclaimer right now that because I have not finished the series, there are obviously things I don't know that might happen towards the end of the series that this movie may have sort of rounded out in a way that uh, is annoying to me because I haven't finished the series. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll have someone who's read the whole series comment on this and call me an asshole. I'm not sure. But what I can say is that Stephen King designed the Dark Tower as a response to his love of fantasy epics. So he mm -hmm. reads like Lord of the Rings and he says, I really, really desperately want to design my own sort of epic fantasy series. But he wanted to do it in his way. He wanted to do it like a Western. And so that's why, you know, the character of Roland the Gunslinger is like a spaghetti Western sort of Clint Eastwood-esque character. Um, so because of that, based on that, based on the fact that this is supposed to be a fantasy, the way that the movie starts you off in New York with this kid, Jake, who so far, at least as far as I've read, is not nearly as important as the movie makes him out to be. Based on that, it would be as if the opening of Lord of the Rings was Grandpa sitting with tiny Fred Savage in bed saying, I'm going to tell you a story. And that that's how you open Lord of the Rings, is with this level of disconnect. Like, these characters don't really matter. It's not, like, real. They're just, like... Their relations to the real world, instead of just going full force, diving in with both feet, here's the fantasy world, here's the mid-world, live it, love it, enjoy it, which is not at all what they did. I, that's an excellent point. Yeah, the for being a, a, you know, adventure beyond imagination, it starts very much in the here and now, very... It, it's interesting that you mention that Stephen King was looking to make his own like fantasy epic because if you didn't know that Stephen King wrote this this you'll never like know a, yeah this feels like a very very generic young adult fantasy adventure series absolutely it, it like, it's and it's it's by design from the producers they're like well very true. if we're going to make dark tower why don't we just make it Hunger Games or whatever, yeah. where here's the or young kid. One. Yeah, exactly. Here's the young kid, and here's his, you know, his life, and he's got some problems. Like you out there, you young kids out there, you might have some problems, and uh, but but don't worry, you might be the chosen one. You know, it's it's very much it's written uh, the the screenplay is written like young adult fiction, which is yeah. not at all how the books are written. Um, so. Can can you kind of give just like a brief brief synopsis of what this film actually does? Like what happens sure. in this film? So let's let's uh, let's let's set the film up here for you. So the film is about a young man named Jake. 
um, who is experiencing a lot of nightmares and perhaps hallucinations um, about a man in black and about uh, skinwalkers, essentially, um, and a dark tower, a titular dark tower he keeps seeing. Um, and so eventually it gets to the point where uh, his parents, you know, call medical professionals to come help. He determines that they are indeed the same skinwalkers that he's been seeing in his nightmares. Runs away from them, finds a portal to another world, and meets Roland the Gunslinger, played by Idris Elba, who he's also been seeing in his dreams, who is a soldier from uh, before the world moved on. And so he teams up with him to uh, put a stop to the Man in Black and his evil plans to destroy the Tark Tower, which is essentially the center of the whole universe, and connect, or, or rather, the multiverse. The Dark Tower mm-hmm. is the center of the multiverse. So that's the uh, that's the plot. Can I tell you now? Obviously, you're going to have much different insight in this because you are familiar with some of the the, the literature. And I've read that there are a lot of criticisms that like of like who is this film really for? Because it doesn't do a great job of introducing the material to new people, but it does an even worse job of summarizing the material to people who have already read it. Yes. So I'm assuming that you might fit into that second sort of category. Yeah, I think um, it probably does a worse job of the latter of of satisfying Dark Tower fans. You know, I could maybe see that their object when they designed this, which sucks, is that they they the producers honestly sat down and said, "Okay, we we don't really care about satisfying fans of the series. We just think that we could maybe take some of the concepts in this. We got it licensed from Stephen King, and let's just see if we can get you know build a new, you know build something that can compete with the MCU. You know, right. let's just see if we can uh, have another blockbuster on our hands. And so I think build that's a- what they. Yeah. Build a TV version, basically. Essentially. So, uh, as a viewer, can I tell you what my biggest um, turnoff to this film was? Sure. Uh, My biggest difficulty with this film is that no one actually struggles with anything. So, my theory is, because you had seven novels worth of stuff to try to cram into this movie... I imagine that they probably filmed like four or five hours worth of shit that they cut down to barely an hour and a half runtime. So as such, there's no time to let anything breathe. So no one struggles with anything. Uh, When Jake is first introduced to the medical people who are going to take him to a care center, just kidding, they're bad guys, he escapes them on the first try. Like he books it and he is free to go. He st- when he needs when Jake needs to find the portal to that he's seen in his dreams, he just stumbles to the house that has the portal in it. It, and it when, happened so quickly, like finding that abandoned house that had the portal happened so quickly that I honestly had to rewind the movie a little bit to be like, did I look away for a second? You know, I'm like making lunch or something and I'm like, what did I miss when, here? He's just when Jake goes into the house of the portal and there's a house demon that's going to try to kill him. He get, he stops it without even trying. Yeah. He just says, let me go. And it does. When when he and Roland meet, he literally just runs into him without having to search. When the man in black has to find the chosen one, when he has to find Jake, he finds a piece of evidence 
and they're able to figure out who it is immediately. When Roland loses Jake during the, the big village attack, and, oh, you're thinking, oh, so now this second arc of the film is going to be he has to go save Jake, he has to go find him. Nope. He just thinks real hard and shoots and magically hits the target without an issue. There are no obstacles in this film. As soon as there's some kind of issue, it is immediately resolved because we do not have time. Yes, no, absolutely. There's another example of that as well here. Roland is uh, attacked by uh, a giant monster in the woods at, at one point, and his gun gets knocked out of his hand, and he says, Hey, Jake, shoot shoot, shoot my gun there that just fell in front of you. And he says, Okay, and he shoots it, and the monster runs off, and that's, that's the whole interaction. Uh, so you're absolutely correct. Now, granted, that can be used to a film's advantage to as a as a character trait. So for instance, Roland, there should be scenes in which he's able to shoot something with no issue whatsoever because he's a gunslinger. That's oh, kind of a thing. Oh, absolutely, I agree. But the difference is what I'm assuming was written in to be a badass moment just falls into line with there are no real problems in this film. Like his moment where like he get he collects his like zen and makes this unbelievable shot to kill this monster that's taking Jake away should be a badass moment. Like that should be super kick ass. But because you've introduced it along with fifteen other examples of hey, here's a problem, don't worry, it's been resolved within ten seconds it diffuses it a lot. So therefore it doesn't feel like, oh, he's got this badass like other sense to him. No, it's like, oh, well, we wrote ourselves into another corner, so here's how he fixes it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it truly is a movie that feels like, despite the fact that it's a movie about perhaps the collapse of the entire multiverse, uh, the death of everyone you know and everything you've ever loved, um, uh, and utter destruction, non-existence of those things, worse than death, like, it's as if none of it ever existed is, is what's on the line here. The movie feels utterly weightless. Um, mm -hmm. you, 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 you never have any suspense or tension or fear that uh you know jake is going to be captured or whatever the attack on the village is just kind of ho-hum well you know we expected this oh uh they're cutting the power and the portal might not work i'm sure it still will okay let's move on to the next set piece well and here's the other thing too similar uh which is actually surprising to me similar in uh, Maximum Overdrive, where it says it's going to be a horror film, but instead it's kind of a comedy. In this, this is clearly supposed to be this big action epic, but their attempts at comedy midway through, like when they come back to New York, and now it's a fish-out-of-water buddy cop movie, because now it's like, oh, Roland doesn't understand how normal life works. Oh, ho, ho. Now, granted, and, and I had I had also used that exact terminology that when they go into the like fish out of water section, at first, okay, the the problem with it is because like like you said, there's no time for anything because fish out of water Roland is actually true to the series. There is some right. of that, you know, when he when he goes to New York in the '80s and he's in this guy's brain. 
spoiler alert for those of you who haven't actually read the series, but uh, in the second book, when he's in a dude's brain in 80s New York, he actually doesn't understand anything. He's on an airplane, but he's got, like, vertigo because he's never seen an airplane in his life, and he doesn't understand, like, what's being offered to him when a stewardess walks by and, you know, offers him a Coca-Cola, and he's like, oh, this is delicious. You know, so there actually is some fish-out-of-water comedy and some, some interesting things happening there, but the film doesn't have any time at all. They're like, go, 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 go. Hit the next point. Okay, you've got time for one joke. Make it count. Uh, Hot dogs are yummy. Okay, next. Yeah, and so it feels super out of place here. And I, without reading it, I completely get where you're coming from. And I could totally see that working. Of like, hey, we can't just have, you know, page after page after page of gripping tension and fear and blah, blah, blah. You got to have a reprieve. I totally get that. That makes complete sense in terms of, like, literature. But because you don't give any sort of precedence to this or any time for it to breathe, it comes out of nowhere. So let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being yikes and 10 being oof, how much did you feel the you have multiple variations of hepatitis fail, in your opinion? Um, uh, I would say... Probably around an 11, uh, if I were to... That's so unfunny. Yes. Like, to give you the setup, Roland's been shot. Which, by the way, uh, the the film does a terrible job. I'm sure the book does a much better job of it. Like, Roland uh, appears... Like, Gunslinger kind of suggests that there's, like, some kind of magical element to him. Or he is, like, a chosen one of his own. But he gets, like, stabbed at one point, and it's like, oh, it's really hurting him. And you're like, oh, is he, like, infected or something? Is there, like, an evil... No, they just don't know what medicine is in these other worlds. So when they come to New York, he goes to a hospital, they pump him full of antibiotics, and suddenly he's fine. But yeah, then the doctor comes in, like... So, aside from your infection and the wound from the costume party incident, we also found traces of hepatitis A, B, E, and... Chronic radiation sickness. And the movie's just like, huh? And I'm like, no, no, are we joking now? This is suddenly haha time? Like, what are we... You've done nothing to set this up. It's just out of nowhere, there's suddenly a joke that comes out. And then the movie has does nothing with it, by the way. The movie's just like, huh? Well, uh, whatever. And then just moves on. It's such an awkward joke. I mean, like, I, I, I kind of... I get the premise... I get what they're trying to do there, but it's just delivered. Right, because in the old west, everyone would have would be riddled with disease. Yes. like that's totally fine. Of course, yeah. Uh, it, it's just, oh god. Also, by the way, I will tell you, I was shocked that we never see the old west in this movie. Yeah, you like, see, the only time you see Roland's like area, he's in like a forest set, which could have been anywhere. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the village that, that we go to in the other world uh, is, you know, sort of westerny. I mean, it certainly is, it's, you know, third world, uh, but it, it doesn't feel like a western at all. Yeah, I'm expecting, like, the Blazing Saddle set or something like that. Not yeah. just like, oh, hey, here's some kind of huts and that's close enough. Yeah. Oh God! So, um, what do you have any other moments that you want to talk about before we move to Matthew McConaughey? Uh, I'll just say to all the kids out there: if you 
are experiencing any kind of hallucinations, if you are having terrible waking nightmares, uh, and your family tries to help you, and they bring in someone that say they're going to take you to a facility and it's going to help you and they seem nice enough, assume that they're monsters and try to hurt them and run away from them. That's the lesson that should be taken away here, certainly. Agreed. Also, it pains me that Roland is the non-ironic cable from Deadpool 2, including the fanny pack usage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, let's talk about Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Now, you tell me, in terms of the literature, is he the, was, is he the right choice, in your opinion? Uh, uh, yeah, actually. I, I, I don't uh, necessarily have an issue with, with his uh, performance for most of it. I will say that, at least from where I'm at in the story, the Man in Black has a little more uh, ambiguity in terms of his intentions. He's, That's, okay. Yes. That's awesome that you mentioned that. Okay. That is absolutely fantastic that you mentioned that. Because what I put down was that Matthew McConaughey was a perfect choice if you were going to have him be a maybe he is, maybe he isn't evildoer. Um, sort of like, and I hate to use an example, but kind of like Loki from the Marvel movies. Of like, well, he is evil, but is he completely evil? What is his true intention? Because Matthew McConaughey is very good at playing that sort of in-between. Mm -hmm. However. He did not do that. Not only that, you've already established that this is, this whole film is fast forward. That you don't have time to let anything breathe. That you don't have time for anything to be explained. You're just rushing on to the next scene. So therefore, you cannot bring in an actor who you're expecting to have subtlety to the performance. Meaning, you have already made the decision as a filmmaker that you do not have time for the villain to be ambiguous. That this villain needs to be, you know, Magic Hitler, and that's the end of it. Because you don't have time to do the will he won't they. And you'll notice in the film that they don't do that. Like... Matthew McConaughey is pure evil from the moment he's on screen. Yeah. He's not like, well, maybe he's or maybe he's got his own reasons to do it. No, he's the bad guy and that's it. So at that point, Matthew McConaughey was the wrong choice to make because he's kind of in between. If you were going to make the decision of we are rushing through this so they need to know that it's a bad guy immediately, you should have picked somebody who was just villainous from the start. You should have done like a Michael Ironside or a Willem Dafoe. Nothing that would have left you going, is this the bad guy? You should know immediately that this is a bad guy and he's a real evil son of a bitch. Instead, you've got Matthew McConaughey who's just sort of like, I don't know. Like that's, it's, it's, it's such a weird choice when you've already made the decision that you're not giving it time to breathe. Yeah, it's it's truly it's it's excellent casting if you had done First off, uh, I actually didn't do a whole lot of research into the film itself, and I was sort of expecting, at least from what I saw from the trailers, that this was just going to be The Gunslinger, which I think would have been fine. The Gunslinger is the first book, and I think that that would have been perfect. I think you could have easily adapted The Gunslinger into uh, one standalone movie, and if it failed, it failed. Okay, sorry, that's the risk you take in Hollywood, and then you don't go on to make the other movies. Um, 
but this is just kind of a mishmash. It's like if you took all the Game of Thrones books and you just tried to make one movie, and you're like, uh, well, let's not have Ned Stark in it, or maybe actually, let's have Ned Stark in it, and uh, he won't die. He'll just be kind of alive the whole movie, and but but he's in the background. The real hero and the guy you're following is actually going to be Bran, but we can't have Bran like get paralyzed. So let's just have him like be. Let's have Bran actually be in the real world and uh, we'll follow him and then he meets Ned and and we'll just kind of do that um, because Matthew McConaughey the interaction at the end of the first book it would have been so perfect for a Matthew McConaughey because the interaction the uh, he's chasing the man in black Roland is chasing him throughout the the old west through the entire first book and when he finally catches up to him they don't have a big shootout they sit down together and the Man in Black tells him his future with tarot cards and then becomes a pile of bones. And it's so weird and it would have been perfect for a Matthew McConaughey, to be honest. But that's not what we got in this. We got, oh, he's like the T-1000, but with magic. Right. And that's just, that's that's him. That's the Man in Black. So, I gotta say, the other thing that bothered me about Matthew McConaughey is... That it's Matthew McConaughey. Like, don't get me wrong. I like him. I think he's fine. Uh, look at um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The New Beginning. Or The Next Generation, rather. He's mm-hmm. so weird and and scary in that. Because it's like, he's like a weird rape hillbilly. And you're like, what the fuck am I looking at? That's fine. Like, I don't think he... It, it's not a matter of, like, he couldn't play this character. It's a matter of, it just... He wasn't right if you were going to smash the whole f- franchise into one movie. So... One thing that, that kind of stood out to me was uh, right at the beginning, um, he shows up to, like, the evil fortress, I guess, and uh, one of the security ladies, like, comes into the scene and is like, oh, we've had a brief, oops, and, like, she tells him, like, somebody warped in or blah, 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 plot point, plot point. Okay, fine. So then Matthew McConaughey goes, like, oh, I like your mask, and the woman, even the actress is like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like... Oh, if you choose a pretty face, then the world's your oyster. And you're like, oh, 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 okay. Like, it just seems like weird southern drawl Matthew McConaughey. It doesn't seem like, oh, he's the devil. But then the other thing is, his catchphrase of stop breathing is so late. Like, okay, it reminds me of something that Darwin Cook told me. Uh, Darwin Cook is a, was, a, was a great comic writer. I loved his work. And, one, and I was a super big nerd when I met him. And I asked him a bunch of stupid questions about his comic books. And one of the things that he said was, there are certain things that when you r- read them on paper sound fantastic, but as soon as you say them in, in, in the real world, they sound dumb as shit. And Stop Breathing, I feel, fits in that parameter. On paper, I could totally read it as something cool. When Matthew McConaughey says it in the movie to literally stop somebody from breathing because he's magic, and he goes up, he's like, hey, stop breathing. It doesn't sound like, you know an unforgivable curse from Harry Potter. It sounds like he's a frat guy who just farted in the room and is trying to save you. Like, he's like, hey, don't breathe, man. It stinks real bad in here. Don't breathe. It's so fucking bad. I feel like your uh, your delivery as well of uh, of his lines makes him sound like he's like Bob Ross or something. Because he is! (laughs) He's like half asleep in the whole movie. Like, he's like, "Mm, Jake Chambers. Well, time to go fuck something up. Like what? Ooh, I'm shivering in my little booties. The the movie had no. I feel like the movie just 
took random movie villain things. They're like, all right, so we've got the T-1000 thing unlocked. You know, he shows up at his parents' house. And, uh, okay, now let's... Uh, Which, again, can we, we talk about that again? Once again, there's no obstacles? Yeah, of course. Hey, no, you're, no obstacles. Your boy's your boy pretty special, I hear. Yeah, he used to draw a bunch of pictures of you. Well, where were these pictures? Oh, he took them, so you can't see them. Sorry. Oh, just kidding. That's not a problem. I'm just going to play the movie in reverse. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, he's also um, Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. Yeah. Uh, he's a lot of things. Also, the, here's the thing. I want, in the director's cut, I want there to be 75 other scenes of Matthew McConaughey doing shit in Jake's parents' house because they don't have them on Midworld. Because when they see him... <laughs> He's, like, cooking up some chicken, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing in our house? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, they don't have chicken on my planet, so um, it's pretty kick-ass. Like, I want him to just <laughs> be, like, good. doing shit all, like, what are you doing? They don't have foosball in Midworld, so I'm playing the shit out of this. Like, like I want to see 75 scenes of that, because that would be that would more be interesting fantastic. than the actual film. That'd be great if the whole film was just that, just walking in on Matthew McConaughey using something in your Matthew home. McConaughey, what are you doing in our what are you doing in our bathtub? They don't have body wash in Midworld. This thing kicks ass. It's, I smell like eucalyptus. This is awesome. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Well, they don't got DVR here. I'm watching Cops. It's okay. great. This is pretty. It's pretty badass. Like that's uh, yeah. Like what? Who used all the the cheddar seasoning for our popcorn? They don't got sprinkle on cheddar in Midworld, baby. It's pretty cool. Like that, I would have watched all day compared to the actual shitty movie. <laughs> oh my god. A- any final thoughts on The Dark Tower? Fuck The Dark Tower. That's my final thoughts. Yeah. No, this movie, like I said, at, at best was very bland. It doesn't look good. It's not like exciting to see. The sets are all interchangeable. It does nothing for world building. It's just sort of like, eh. And that's it. Um, I feel like they, they put Idris Elba in because like he's naturally charismatic and he's naturally kind of a badass. So like that's sort of what I was going with with Matthew McConaughey. You don't have the time to tell us how cool your Clint Eastwood cardboard cutout is. So instead, you bring in somebody who is already cool so that our brains as the audience goes, that's the cool guy. Yeah. Same thing with the villain. You don't have the time to play will he, won't he... And, well, you know what? The villain actually has a pretty good perspective, too. You might want to learn about that. Oh, neat. We don't have time for that. So guess what? You need someone very obnoxious and very overtly evil so that you go, Oh, my God, this guy's a bad guy. And you don't go like, Oh, uh, is he going to fall asleep halfway through the scene? What am I looking at here? Uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, the, no, the, here's the, the biggest twist of the film. The biggest twist of the film is Matthew McConaughey looks at Idris Elba and goes... Everybody who walks with you dies, Idris. And he goes, hey, none of that shit matters. And then the twist is, none of that shit mattered. That's the twist. Hey, it doesn't fucking matter that his dad's dead, or that I guess all the other shoot 'em up cowboys are dead. None of that shit matters. And also, I don't think there's anything more obvious about this was trying to be the catalyst for a Dark Tower TV show than when 
Jake and Idris have a Roland have just an argument for no reason because it's argument o'clock in the in the script. So they're the heroes are supposed to be like, oh, I don't trust you, I don't need you, I don't need anybody. Blah blah blah. Walk away. Just kidding. Ten seconds later, they're fine. They're buddies again. But the kid says the tower is always in danger, or Roland says, or whatever the fuck. Somebody says that that the tower is always in danger. That's not just about the Men in Black. That is so clearly a catalyst for like. Oh, the show's going to be like Doctor Who or Sliders, where they're going to jump from dimension to dimension to pow-pow the problems to protect the Dark Tower. So I'm glad that that failed because that show sounds terrible. And Matthew McConaughey, well, you know, they don't got porno in Midworld, so I'm going to get going with it. This is pretty cool. This is great. This is like uh, ten black dudes. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't even know what a black dude is. He just kind of looks like my buddy Roland. That's pretty. That's and, pretty kick ass. I imagine one white girl. I imagine Matthew McConaughey says kick ass a lot. Like that's pretty kick ass. I think he does. Yeah. So yeah, that's my thoughts. What about your thoughts? You actually should be the one outraged about this. You read these goddamn things. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, as you were saying. At best, it's uh, a really boring. Uh, really generic uh, every movie that's getting made right now specifically every movie that's getting made with an IP attached to it it's, it's Power Rangers it's you know it's uh, Transformers it's it's everything that's just generic and bad right now and at worst it's a movie that takes a shit on a really beloved series of books takes an enormous huge dump on it and that's awful and, and I think that maybe no one cares because a lot of regular people uh, you know, like your average Joe maybe hasn't read The Dark Tower. Um, your normies but, is what you're telling me, you fucking hipster. Yeah, exactly. I am a hipster. And, but but I think that if they had done this with, like, Harry Potter, you know, that, that would have been uh, inexcusable, and instead it's just forgotten. Well, I would say that they did. I think, in, in, in my personal opinion, I think Order of the Phoenix is chopped to shit. Uh, David Yates, I think, did a terrible job of that film. That's the biggest film, the, the biggest book like, largest book, like, most text book of the Harry Potter series, and yet it's the shortest film? That doesn't make any fucking sense. But you already had however many films before and after, so it just sort of gets swept up. Yeah. If it had started with that, I don't think that series would have taken off in terms of films. Because oh, no. it would have been like, what the fuck am I looking at? Absolutely um, not. So, yeah. Uh, both these movies were not good. They were. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. Okay, uh, Zach... Good thing we have a little break here, because mm. as you recall, a couple weeks ago, you, you came to me, you, you were a little concerned about something, and you know what? I have done my full due diligence, and I've uh -huh. put together a little presentation, okay? So let okay. me just play that real quick here for you. It was a Tuesday. I remember because I always get up a little earlier on Tuesdays. And so I was going about my usual morning routine. I made pancakes, took a shower, laid out my clothes. I actually set the pancakes down at the table and took a phone call. And I came back and, and sit down and I grabbed the fork and knife and it was unmistakable. Zach Romero. He's early 30s, bearded, with the body of a beanbag chair as he would describe it. He's recounting a particular morning from a couple weeks ago where it's believed someone farted on his pancakes. It, it couldn't it couldn't have been anything else. I mean, you just know it, don't you? You recognize it. 
Anyway, I, I practically fell out of my chair, and my obvious first question was, who? Who would do this? Dial me up, kick me swiftly, send me home before I panic. I met you when, way back then, you were so suave and so serene. Zach reached out to the show last week in an attempt to solve the mystery. We began our investigation in his home, but quickly reached a roadblock. The thing about farts is they're not easily trackable. And to my understanding, uh, there's, there's no technology even being worked on to, to track a fart, nor any uh, desire to develop said technology. It's Dr. Leon Leopold, an expert in the field of flatulence at the University of South Oregon. I mean, you know there are many types of farts. Oh, wet, wet ones we have to check. The kind of fart that could ruin an entire evening. There's the very loud ones where you look at your friend and you say, was that on purpose? It's very simple. I, I tell all of my students that, you know, the proper pancake is very straightforward. you got to have the, the right batter, make sure you've got the right grilling time, make sure you've got your toppings, and most of all, just don't fart on the pancakes. It's that easy. I, it, pancake is one of the cornerstones of proper breakfast, and just... Just keep the farts away. That's all you have to do. It's 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 so easy. It's Perry Papuli, executive chef at Papa Papuli's Pancakes. This story was hard on him. He's very passionate about pancakes. I understand nature takes its course, but th that's why there's eggs and sausage. There's other options out there. Just you gotta leave the pancakes alone. It's God's gift to man on the breakfast table, and it doesn't deserve to have a fart on it. Despite contacting two experts, it seems like our investigation was at a standstill. We needed to sit down with Zach again. No? That's a shame. I, I really thought that maybe... I guess it was silly to think I could find out. You know, I guess I just, I just wanted to ask them why. Just look them in the eyes and ask, why would they do something like this? I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I guess... I guess some people are just rotten. And if you smelled what I smelled, you'd think there was something rotten in them, too. Solving a case like this would have been perfect, but life isn't always perfect. In fact, most of the time it isn't. Most of the time life is a messy, confusing jumble of questions, just like a fart on a pancake. Ah, so, so what do you think, Zach? It's pretty good work, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's great, Tien, but, like, obviously you're the one that did it. Like, no one else was even around. 
All right, Zach, I'm a journalist, so I can't go around making wild accusations like that without any proof. But uh, I appreciate your input. I'll, I'll weigh that in, okay? Great. Let's get back to the show. Y- yeah, sure. And we are back, and time to compare and contrast these two films, go over our final thoughts. So, Tien, let's start with, uh, would these, let's do the time travel switcheroo here. Do you think these films would work in each other's time frames? Could Dark Tower work in 86? Could Maximum Overdrive work in 2017? Dark Tower would have been, uh, it, it almost would have been like Game of Thrones, where you would have been making this movie or starting what have perhaps been a series of movies uh, right when around when the books are being written and still being written. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, I think I think the last Dark Tower book was published in like the early 2000s. So, I mean, okay. it's far and away over. Um, and so I think that's why there's such a big disconnect. So perhaps if you had made a Dark Tower movie uh, like right after the first or second book was written, then that got it timed out pretty nicely and worked as like a nice synergy thing where, you know, like Game of Thrones, now all of a sudden you have these people that aren't even big readers who are going out and picking up the books because they want to see where the story goes next, obviously before the show was past the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would have been kind of interesting. And and, and obviously the 80s uh, was a, a good time for uh, sci-fi fantasy. So uh, I feel like it could have actually been successful. I think, uh, now obviously if the film wasn't exactly the way it is, if it was like of the 80s and looked like the 80s, I think even if it was still like not great, it would have had more of a cult status because it would have been like kind of like a never-ending story or something like that in terms of like fantasy realm and stuff like that. Maybe the page master or something like, something along those lines. So I think it probably could have worked. I think Dark Tower could have worked in the 80s, but I'm sure you were probably running into the same problem that we talked about with Deadly Friend which is, well, you're Stephen King, you're supposed to be the scary guy. So I think that probably would have been, and probably was, the big obstacle on the way, was, well, if it's not a scary story, we have no interest in making it into something. Yeah, um, that would be the big difference, is that we are, in in 2017, uh, you know, when this movie came out, we are in the wake of, you know, movies like The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, which have elements of, uh, uh, you know, very human scariness to them, uh, but, you know, we, we understand that Stephen King can do more than just horror at this point. Exactly. Uh, um, I don't think they know in the 80s. As for Maximum Overdrive, I think it would have worked. I think it could work in 2017, but it would have to be more so you'd have to really double down on the, like, um, beyond just trucks. Like, you'd have to do, like, the how does a smartphone attack somebody you know Precisely. that kind of thing like which could be more or less interesting it could be more cringy um but but yeah that's absolutely the thing about a- any movie that we've uh, reviewed so far or continue to review that involves technology i feel like the time shift jump uh ha- weighs that in ultimately it's like oh what's you know evil tinder like you know if right. the if it's in the comet or you know what's like uh your roomba you know what what how how does what does that happen does it suck your toes off or you know yeah roomba's very kinky apparently uh no like you're absolutely right yeah you're you're gonna <laughs> run into that you're gonna run into that as a problem of time uh, in terms of you're gonna immediately date yourself but in terms of you could easily make a statement of 
hey, we're up, technology's asked too much, you know, and we need to kind of go back. You know, if you were going to make your, like, old person, oh, millennials, they don't talk to people anymore, you know, that kind of thing. And you could almost make it a situation where the tension is built from that we don't really have survival skills anymore. Like, nobody takes, like, home economics classes anymore. So if you really were like... Yeah. You know, if the if the machinery fucking everybody is your first act of the film, and then the second act is we're trying to survive all as Amish people, and then the third act is we say fuck this shit and we go attack the machines and it's Terminator, then, you know, your tension could be built of like, oh, well, you just got to go make a fire and do that. And it's like, well, I don't fucking know how to do that. Like, you know, I don't have those skills. That kind of could be interesting. So, but you're right. You're, the, the elephant in the room is... How cringy are you going to make this? You know, how much of it is going to be like you're lecturing people? So that would, ha that would I think, be the biggest obstacle to overcome. But I think it's doable, and I think it could work. Um, I would just say... You know, I think the I'd thing... say you just need to drift away from just putting all of your eggs in the big rig truck basket. I feel like you'd have to move beyond that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and actually, it, the, the, there's another element of like, well, we have kind of self-driving cars now. True. And so that's another element where, you know, maybe that's involved in some way or, you know, are these cars all Teslas? Are we, uh, you know, is it only electric cars that this is happening with? There are many different elements that you could have, uh, you know, explored with doing maximum overdrive uh, currently, which, uh, to be honest, is not very far off. Uh, I mean, we're remaking everything else, even things that are kind of known to be bad. So I, I would not be shocked at all if they're like, we're going to do maximum overdrive again. Um so uh, I think what we realized in the last episode, uh, maybe not the first one, but definitely the last one, is that this section of the show, we actually end up designing much better movies. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and actually, I, I've been struck with this almost like genius idea here that I'm surprised that they haven't been doing it. So uh, in Maximum Overdrive and in uh, some of Romero's early work, not the Romero sitting across from me, but oh. George Romero... Um, you had, okay, you're sticking different cultures in a room together, and that's mm. part of the conflict of the film is, oh, I don't trust this black guy in Another Living Dead, or, you know, oh, this person's from a different, like, social status than me, blah, blah, blah. And so why are we not doing a horror film like that nowadays where we've got, like, an alt-right person and, like, a far-left person? True. And and we're shoving them in a room together and forcing them to cooperate. Considering the kind of climate going on right now, I mean, and the 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 all-out brawls that are willing to happen just in the middle of a mall or on a college campus or whatever, I think it'd be very interesting to maybe explore that in the wake of like a zombie apocalypse or something. To that's see, an actual, that's an excellent point. Like now more than ever, could we use a George Romero setup of, you know, we have to learn to be humans together as opposed to you know just be dicks to each other so yeah yeah you're absolutely right um the other thing that's interesting is like you mentioned you had to use romero examples because in maximum overdrive there is no example of that it's not like oh all these different people from different walks of life all have to coexist it's like no they're all just sort of dumb hicks and that's it yeah, and and the, the cartoon characters. I mean, you have like the newlywed couple where the wife is super irritating, and uh, you know, Johnny, where, where are we going? You gotta the, the car. Hey, that's Lisa Simpson. So you better treat her with some fucking respect. That's really Lisa Simpson. Yeah. 
Oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome. That's why uh, Brett, the hard-edged lady, I guess, who just immediately is just going to start banging Emilio Estevez, says, eat my shorts at one point to the Bible salesman. Wow. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, yeah, you're right. They're all just varying shades of, like, dumb Southerner. So it's like, yeah. mm, okay. Even the there hard, is, like... The hard-edged lady, though, she does have my favorite line in the whole movie, though. Which oh, is? Uh, right, right. We haven't done this bit yet. Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. On the count of three... We have to do this every episode now. <laughs> On the count of three, we'll say uh, our favorite line of hers from the movie, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. You make You're love a like a hero. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, their whole relationship is so weird in this movie. Like, her opening line to Emilio is, vroom, vroom. And then, like, you're pretty cute, but you're not that cute. Yeah. I didn't and understand so I that thought, at like, all. Oh, do they know each other? Nope. No, not at all. Strangers. It, it, uh, it, it almost seems like a joke. It seems like uh, like like an impression of how bad flirting works. Where her first line to him is, you're pretty cute. And... He's like, oh, well, okay, all right, let's see where this is going. She's like, whoa, Buster, not that cute. Back off, okay? Listen, I just... And then he's like, oh, I'll grow on you. Anyway, <laughs> we're in, in some you. kind of car apocalypse here, so I guess we'll do small talk later. Like, <laughs> um, So the, yeah, the, that, uh, that really should have been Emilio's response. It should have been, absolutely. She's like, you're pretty cute. Hey, so I guess God is dead, and we're all fucked now forever and ever. So, um, nothing really matters, and I, for one, welcome our new vehicle overlords. Like, there really shouldn't have been any sort of small talk there. That would have made a much better movie, is if the cars had won, and then we had, like, car president. And, oh, that'd uh, be great. That'd be awesome. Um, you have, like, a, a, a cars uh, idiocracy crossover film? Yes! Oh my god. Okay, so, who would, uh, who, who would Toe Mater be? Oh, clearly the president. Yes. He's clearly President Tomater. <laughs> and he comes in like shooting bottle rockets or whatever. And he's like, oh, we, we in this country going to get her done. And everyone's like, yay, we voted for him. Do you think that Lightning McQueen would say ka-chow as he ran over a child's head? Oh, absolutely. He would, he would hit the kid and the blood would splatter on the windshield. And then as he does the windshield wipers, he just cold stare into the camera and just goes, ka-chow. <laughs> Again, we've made magic. Yes, we've, we've single-handedly invented a much better film. You know, um, uh, much like Maximum Overdrive doesn't understand how its technology works. Uh, I uh, one of the biggest notations of that I felt was the drive-through window that tried to call out where the survivors were. Uh, I didn't realize the drive-through windows could just talk on their own. I've always assumed it was a live person on the other end of that that was taking my order. So that's interesting to find out that it's all automated. Can I tell you the other thing that boggled my mind about that scene? So drive-through says humans here, and then the boy whose dad got butt-fucked by a truck <laughs> has this machine gun, shoots the living shit out of the voice box. And then it's like, oh, that's for my dad. You're like, okay, cool. Then he hands the gun to someone else and goes, I don't want this anymore. So he goes like, hey, I'm going to stop this thing. I'm going to be helpful. I'm going to stop this thing from giving away our, our location, even though I'm making a lot of noise. But I'm stopping it, which is important. Bang, bang, bang. Okay, I'm done being useful now. Someone take my only line of defense away. 
Now I'm just going to walk around and just wait for death, I guess? Where did the team even get rocket launchers from? From the basement. From the basement of the Dixie Boy. The fucking cartoon owner just had guns. And I'm like, is he a gun runner? What are we doing here? And they do not explain it other than the throwaway line, well, I guess he's got a lot of money, so he just bought a lot of guns. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. That's what I've done every time I've gotten a lot of money. Yeah. So, uh, you're taking a character and you're putting oh, it right. uh, into the other movie. Let's start with uh, what might be a little harder. Uh, uh, so, if you were to put a Dark Tower character, uh, of all those characters, um, all those memorable characters from the Dark Tower, what, what would you throw on into Maximum Overdrive? I'd like to to alter this a little bit. Sure. Instead of just adding a character in, I'd like to like swap a character okay. completely. Sure. So I would take Roland and I would p- switch him out with the driver of the um, uh, Green Goblin toy truck, mm-hmm. because that guy had a decent head on his shoulders, but like he just didn't get a lot of screen time for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I think if you had had like r- like Roland's character would have worked for that. In terms of, like, you could have just kept him gruff. Obviously, you don't do, like, the comments of, like, oh, what's a hot dog? Like, he would be, he wouldn't still be, like, a time traveler. But, like, you could have him be, like, a gruff trucker and just be, like, I don't know what the hell's going on with these trucks, but we're going to blow their ass away. Like, I think he would have worked fine with that. Plus, Idris Albert in a duster with a trucker hat, I think, sells tickets. I think that would have... I think so. He really, I mean, the movie would have essentially turned into... He he would have been like Ving Rhames and Mars Attacks. He would have just been yeah. like, well, I'm the hero now. <clears throat> yeah, I was well, just a truck ass. driver. Uh, yeah, uh, now, so that uh, would be my answer there. Well, that's good. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> you put Matthew McConaughey, the man in black, in, okay. uh, in Maximum Overdrive... And I think just there's a scene where every time they walk in a room, he's just like sitting on a couch with a soda and is just like, well, man, they don't got this on my planet. Let's kick ass. That's true. That would have been pretty great. I also would have said he could have replaced Pat Hinkle as the owner of the Dixie Boy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, hey, Emilio, uh, I'm going to ask you to, to work nine hours, but I'm only going to pay it for eight. <laughs> That's pretty kick ass. Like, that would have been... <laughs> That would have been doable as well. If you were to do a full swap where uh, you're replacing a character uh, and that character that you replace just gets dropped into uh, the other movie. So you have the man in black, Matthew McConaughey. He replaces Mm -hmm. the actual truck itself. It's just his face instead of the goblin face just driving and going, going, all right, all right. And then the goblin truck just gets dropped into the dark tower and it's just driving around. That was actually going to be my answer. For who would I put in the Dark Tower from Maximum Overdrive? I would replace the Man in Black with the toy truck. Yes. So that when it's like, when Jake and Roland are like, "Uh uh-oh, here comes the truck in black. And then the goddamn Green Goblin truck pulls up and is like, and then Roland's dad just stops breathing. Like... Yeah, that kicks I ass. think that would fix all of the terrible dialogue, you know, in their final confrontation when it's like, all right, old friend, we've been doing this dance for too long, and I think it's time that you, I finally show up in person, and uh, we, we deal with this. And instead, it's just like, and... Yeah, exactly. It, instead of, 
oh, Roland's always had a way of uh, not being affected by my magics. And let me pick up this sphere that has no explanation to it, and I'm just going to use it like you all know what this is supposed to be. Instead, if it was like, hey, I think Roland and Jake are in Midworld, it just goes, and it's just the truck is just sitting in his office. Like, it would certainly open up the idea of this is a multiverse thing. Because it's like, oh, we're in these all different universes, but everyone's still just a regular human being, I guess. Except for that rat guy or whatever. Instead, it's like, okay, well, clearly there's a multiverse somewhere where sentient trucks are just fucking shit up. I'm sure, I think yeah. it, it would have worked. I'm sure you're aware, uh, like, one of the few things most people are aware of with the Dark Tower is that there are a lot of references to other King books. Which we didn't even talk about the fact that... Uh, Jake has the shine, and they keep saying that, which... You know. That he has the shine, or that uh, the village portal is portal number 1408. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, supposedly later in the books, I mean, they the, the, there is like a dairy main uh, that is kind of a, a portal. Like, there is a, a, a portal where it exists and like reigns over. Uh, Stephen King himself is a character later on in the series. And so I think that would be great if uh, of all of his like famous properties that he's like the first portal they open up in the first movie is Maxim- Maximum Overdrive World. Where they're just like, ha ha ha! And the goblin drives through the portal and uh, starts just fucking everything up. Yeah. You can't tell me that the scene where like the village is attacked by like whatever generic CG monsters wouldn't have been improved a thousandfold if they were like, uh-oh, something just portaled in here while you guys were trying to get away. And then this big motherfucking truck with the Green Goblin's fucking face on it comes tearing ass through this village. Like, It would be improved yes. tenfold. And, 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 and I just find something so delightful about the idea of all of the super generic, terrible dialogue in this movie being replaced by giant truck horns, but everyone understands it. Like, Idris Elba just responds as normal, like, well, well, that's a good point, Trucky, but... uh." The the scene where Idris Elba's in in the gun shop and just gets all the supplies he'll ever need, and Matthew McConaughey shows up just to kind of talk shit with him, and Idris is trying to find an exit to go find Jake. And, like, Matthew is like, playing mind games with him or whatever. You were like a dog fetching a stick over and over. You tell the kid what happened to the old crew. You tell him that everyone that walked with you dies by my hand. Not this time. Your soft-skinned mother. Your gunslinger friend. Imagine the same sort of idea, but just instead of Matthew McConaughey, like, saying dumb shit, instead... While Idris is looking for an exit, the car's just going bang the whole time. Like it would, you'd be, you would totally believe it. Stop hiding behind your magic and face me, Walter. <laughs> There's nothing more distracting than a giant car horn. Imagine if it, if the truck had been like in that scene, just a hologram, and he's like exactly. shooting through it, and then going like, "Oh, you couldn't have shown up yourself, huh? You sent your stupid hologram here." <laughs> You couldn't parallel park in here yourself, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I'm just saying, it would have worked. Especially, like, instead of the whole scene of, like, oh, show me what your kid did with the drawings. Instead, just the fucking truck just hauls ass and just tears through the fucking apartment and just kills both parents. Like, then at that point, when Jake's like, you killed my mom. Like, yeah, he killed the shit out of your mom. Like, 
he fucking <laughs> ran her ass over, and her brain splattered all over the grill of the Green Goblin. Yeah, like, there would have been no, like, subtle fun. examining of the ground in his room, like, look, there was some kind of... He opened up a portal and sent my mom to hell here or something. It just would have been her guts sprayed all over the whole room. Like, oh, gee, do you think the truck in black was through here? Well, let's see. Everything <laughs> is fucking is run over. So. <laughs> yeah, I would say it probably tore ass in here if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, uh, our final question uh, about these movies, if we were to do a, a genre swap on them, uh, if you were to change... Uh, maximum Overdrive's genre, which these are another, these are other movies that, uh, as we said, have genre issues. Um, so if you were to swap genres for both of these films, what, what do you think Maximum Overdrive maybe would, would fit into better than what it is? I think it would really fit better in the genre of actually being a fucking comedy. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. And not this weird... Here's a scene. Well, anyway, goodbye. Like, I feel like that would have... Because you you could have played it up for laughs a lot more. Yeah. Because um, it's because it says like it quote unquote it it presents itself as a dark comedy, but it really isn't. It's just sort of bullshit. So I think if you'd really leaned more into that, it's it um, it, it, it claims itself to be the comedy the way that Tommy Wiseau later like exactly <laughs> acknowledges hey, the I room fucked as up, a comedy. So yeah. now it's time to say that this is a dark comedy. Yeah. Um, uh, as for Dark Tower. Oh, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, if it actually... I mean, you know how I feel. If it actually embraced itself as true sci-fi fantasy, like it's supposed to be, I think that that's, you know, the the intention. As as a product of what it is, maybe uh, like a teen... A, a teen coming-of-age story. Yeah, I think if you had leaned more into, like, the young adult science fiction. Because mm. it's trying to... But it doesn't have the the narrative backing to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you had really had King to like, okay, rewrite this for the screen and make this more of like a young adult adventure story, and not like, hey, we're gonna shoehorn a young adult into here because we got to appeal to kids. Yeah, I think that would have probably been better. And like you said at the very beginning, if you had focused on just one story instead of trying to cram seven in and do a sequel all in one mo- movie. I think you would have had a much clearer narrative. Maybe if you had not had Jake go off on, you know, his quantum leap adventure with Roland at the end, and instead had, like, gone back to school, but now his grades are improved and, like, everything's fixed. His relationship with his family is better. They're magically alive again. Um, And then, you know, he's kind of in class and he's looking at, like, an A-plus he got on a paper and he just looks out the window and the clouds form Idris Elba's face and he just smiles. It's like... Oh, I, I thought you were going to have it be like, he does all that shit, but he looks out the window and goddamn Pennywise is outside, and like Jeff Nicholson <laughs> is standing next to him with a with a sweater and an axe, and it's just like, oh shit! <laughs> and then he puts on a cowboy hat, and he's like, and pulls out six shooters from his desk, and everyone's like, oh my god! School shooter! School shooter, and then the fucking, the truck in black comes pulling ass in down the hallway, and just blows through the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great movie. This is why we do this final section. That's exactly it. <laughs> Fantastic. Any final thoughts on uh, either of these uh, terrible films? No, for being the first episode that we did, like, two films based on the same writer, uh, both of these sucked shit. They were really bad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, oof. Both not good. Oof. oof but of, of the two of them, I would say... I felt Maximum Overdrive was more harmless. It was just sort of like, this is a dumb, dumb thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dark Tower, I was like, oh, there was like a very like gross element of like a production company shat this out in to try to manipulate people into buying, you know, 
Dark Tower action figures and shit. Yeah. Like, at least Maximum Overdrive was like, oh, Stephen King took a dump, but at least it only splattered on himself. It didn't, like, <laughs> splatter on anybody else. Yeah, very true. All right. Well, let's take a break. And now, Stephen King pitching Maximum Overdrive to producers. Uh, hey, if I... <laughs> Ooh! Ooh, White Mountain, baby! That's where uh, I'm Mr. at. King, Ooh, Mr. King, Mr. Killer Trucks. Uh, you cannot do that in here. Give you all the money. Killer Trucks, I wrote you. Shining and Jack Nicholson was a bad choice. Monster who, Truck who would Zoom you have Zoom. Put, who would you have put instead as Mr. Torrance? A fucking monster truck is what I would have done. You I wouldn't have, have put Bruce Springsteen as Jack Torrance? <laughs> no, I would have had Bruce Springsteen as Danny and then a, a, a big rig truck as... As Jack Nicholson and fucking he would have driven. Keep Shelley Duvall. She was she was a delight. And make sure Stanley Kubrick abuses but her. M- M- Mr. King, if if Jack Torrance is a monster truck, I mean the whole hedge scene at the end just doesn't work. It would just blow through the whole maze. No, no hedge scene. Let's do that actual real thing that I wrote in my book where there's no hedge maze. It's just hedge animals come to life and chase Bruce Springsteen because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And Stanley Kubrick did the world a favor by fucking censoring and cutting dumb shit out of my story. Also, I wow. like cocaine. Mr. King, I am surprised to hear you admitting this on tape here. Yes. Also, cocaine is great. Get me Emilio Estevez. This is now officially a prequel to The Mighty Ducks. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, so, uh, But do we have to include the monster truck in The Mighty Ducks? No, but you damn well better include ACDC on the soundtrack. Goodbye. Uh, okay. okay. All right. Goodbye. And scene. Um, so that's it for this very turbulent episode of Frightful Failures. Aren't they all turbulent? That's true, in their own special way. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed I'm not yourself. sure which, which of us, to be honest, throws the show off the rails more. Uh, I don't know which of us is the it conductor. Is real, it was real 50-50 on this one. That is, yeah. real, mm-hmm. is, a, that is even money on this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, in any case, if you're not subscribed to uh, Frightful Failures on social media or SoundCloud or any other place you're getting your podcast, please do so. Uh, every episode is going to be a manic mess like this. Um, and, of course, if you've got any suggestions for films or uh, requests to see uh, what those hogs do, please just uh, send us correspondence. We would love to respond back. And uh, on behalf of Tien Guignol, I am Zach Romero. And to before we go into Monster of the Week, let me... Leave with my favorite quote from Maximum Overdrive. In our world, hidden underneath our very noses, are horrors the likes of which we could never imagine. Bloodthirsty beasts, ancient demonic entities, and inhuman abominations plague the world of the living. Luckily, keeping us safe from it all is Team Viper Ghost Patrol. Starring Red Viper, retired luchador, and the team's de facto leader. Blows in Cincinnati! <laughs> I'm in flex. Dr. Xavier Gobblepot, a man of science and action and science. Science is not racist, it is the future. Jeffy, half woman, half beast, and 100% badass. I get the crappy dogs because I'm the failed monster. And Lowe's, a man of limited supernatural abilities and unlimited perversion. 
Oh. Yeah, thanks, man. That's wonderful. And then I just had to walk away. Join these four monster hunters as they travel the world in search of the strange and unnatural. If you've got a problem that defies explanation, then you better call Team Viper Ghost Patrol. Previously on Team Viper Ghost Patrol. I can create gadgets to help with the investigation. Okay. I kind of want to know, can we speak to the dead? So they see an old man in a, in a suit grinning at everything and a half dog person coming around and these people are right about to lose it. I want to roll to act under pressure. And if I do well, I want to put Mr. and Mrs. Servant in dueling sleeper holds. So we should figure out a way to distract the parents because they're going to wake up at now, some point. Not if we kill them. Nikolai's waking up. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. And the first thing he sees is out the window, he sees a machine digging into his daughter's grave. Oh, God. And then he hears you moaning uh, in his wife's room please. with his panties. And he shouts, My Mozza! <laughs> and that would be good. a creature that these this family had found. It is a five-foot-tall ape-like creature, and it has very sharp teeth and very sharp claws. And as soon as Nikolai shouted its name, it erupted from beneath the floorboards and is now in the living room. He has muttered something in Romanian, presumably to the effect of, kill all of these people. And I think it's safe to say that the shit has hit the fan for you guys. Now, Romanian Wrestlefest, part three. Are we aware this or are we too far away? So yeah, where are we in relation to this? You guys are not quite seeing this happening yeah. yet. Right. You heard so maybe a... I was going to say, you probably heard some kind of You maybe promotion. heard a ruckus, but you, don't see, but you don't see what's going on yet. You know, the sun is still out. It's probably around, you know, half midday or something. So you can't see into the house. Um, uh, but you heard a commotion. That's all I'll say. You heard a commotion. Um, you have walked in the door straight away and have seen that, that you are the only one that is seeing this creature straight on first. Yeah. So, uh... I'm in, like, a different area of the house. Yeah, because you're together. upstairs with the panties. You're in the room of the panties. So here's the thing. I'll be generous and give you a first move. Okay. Um... And then uh, we'll need to proceed with you acting now, under pressure next. I'm going to be perfectly honest with sure. you because you've been perfectly honest with us so far, and sure. I appreciate that. Um, as a player, I feel like I should try to um, uh, communicate with the rape ape or something like that, like try to talk <laughs> to this thing. I'm going to great the Sure. Enough. But this is, That's a fair. this is a fighter. And your character or the monster? No, the character. The character. Yeah, yeah, sure. I would imagine the monster is a fighter as well. Well, yeah. A skinless ape with sharp teeth, and the, <laughs> like he's gonna cook you. Well, they've, they've been. Believe. Well, they've been loving this guy for. I mean, he's okay. never f attacked anyone. I mean, they they don't let but a lot of the other villagers see him. In Romanian that was not cook them a crepe Suzette. It was <laughs> fuck them up good. So it is ready to kill you. Yes. Okay. Are you mm -hmm. sure? It doesn't look like it's ready to cook you any kind of a dish. Okay. No. Um. So I think I gotta go after this thing. I'm a fighter, like first and sure. foremost. So sure. Um, is that all you wanted to say? Is that you you wanted to communicate wanted with to it? You just feel like you can't. I just to kind of give myself the out of like. By the way, I'm aware 
that that it's possible to not trying to do this nonviolently yeah. would have probably been the way to go. That but it's possible to, really to you know, you're acknowledging that it is possible to Undertale style not immediately just fight anything you see. But sure. Okay. But also you guys took the parents and didn't even try to communicate with them, just pushed past them, start digging through their house and then start digging up their daughter. Yeah. So I, I mean well, at this point at this point, yeah. well, they probably would have given you all you needed to know at this place if you just talked to them. Here's but. the thing. Here's the what thing. do I know? Here's the thing. I'm not going to say these people are good people. You had some kind of mutant rape ape under your house. They loved him. Wonderful. It's horrific. So <laughs> is this what killed their daughter? Uh, there's no confirmation or uh, denial there. Um, oh, I'm sure they would have played wanted, that out, though. They wanted to ask nicely. They would have been they like, by the way, before you ask, rape ape did not kill her daughter. So rape ape, that was their first kid. Daughter didn't turn out like a mutant. They're like, well, we gotta get rid of him. Yeah. His name caught up quick. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's marketable. <laughs> anyway. All right, so there's so, commotion going on. For sure, there. there'll be plushes of him by next you, week. Yeah, you do your thing. I already got my next move planned out. We got this. So, let me think. We're drilling. Uh, how, how tall was this thing? Uh, five feet tall. Maybe um, a little shorter than five feet. A little, slightly under five feet, maybe. It's like a. And is this thing a beefy ape? It's more lean, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Because um, in that case, um, I'll just do the fighting unarmed. If it was like beefy, if it was like Incredible Hulk of Apes, then no. I, would, I would pull out a weapon of some it's, kind. It's less gorilla and more like just a tall spider monkey. Just like pretty pretty quick, I'd say. Then in that case, uh, I'm going to be a, uh, a master technico. Uh, so when fighting unarmed, I get plus one to kick ass and help out. Okay, and excellent. So I have elected as the Red Viper to kick this thing's ass. Great. So, so are you using you're using your bare hands? Yep. Are you do are you doing a basic attack or are you doing your signature move? Um well, you don't start with Yeah, no, you can start with signature. Okay, fine. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. So what what kind of attack are you using right now then with your bare um, hands? Chest slap. Knife edge shot. Boom. He's all muscle. <laughs> I would say probably um probably put in a headlock first. I'm just run up and grab it. Sure. Okay. It worked on uh, Ma and Pa there. That's so. true, yeah. Okay. Um, so let me roll for uh, toughness here. This ape like doesn't really have, you know, maybe no knife claws. Well, he said sharp teeth, sharp claws. Sharp teeth, sharp claws. So. Sharp teeth, sharp claws. Okay. Sharp teeth, sharp claws my dresser might get a little torn here. Okay, great. So you, uh, this is. You know, despite the fact that it's a, a lean creature, it's not a big creature, um, the, the redness that just looks like pure muscle, it's a little tough. So you did do one harm to this guy with that Excellent. attack. All right. Um, uh, so, oh, and so... On a 10 plus, don't you need to choose an extra effect? Oh, that's true, yeah. So you... Uh, you need the advantage to take plus one forward or give plus one to another hunter. Inflict terrible harm. You force them where you want them. I like where that's going. That's true. Take them to the panty room. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You can choose. So, so we're we're counting this as as one harm basic, correct? Yes. And now you can choose. Yes. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Like I said, it, it's it's a tough outer skin. So I'll just be honest with you. A one harm attack by itself is not going to do anything. It's just gonna you're just gonna hurt your hand on its hide. So it needs to be more than one to do any amount of harm. Okay. At all. So in that case, then I'm going to do terrible harm. So okay. I did so two harm. So you did but, one harm to it. Harm to it. Yes. Uh -huh. It's going to have like yeah. armor to it. Yeah. yeah. That was my presumption before. Sorry Perfect. about that. That makes okay. sense. That makes sense. Okay. So yes. Um, so now so it's got one hit point of damage. So uh, you successfully got in a headlock now, correct? Correct. Excellent. It's going to bite your arm. It's in that. So uh, let's uh, roll for that real quick. 
dumb move on my part. Cause oh, no. Because if it's a seven... Oh. Can we roll again? We landed on a five. Would you like me to roll again? I will happily roll... Okay, so and it rolled on a ten, so in that case, um, that's going to be too harm to you, buddy. Roll again. Yeah, well, let's pump the brakes. You said two harm? Two harm, pal. Okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and say that logically it's going to make more sense for you who have definitely heard this being that you're in the same house to need to act under pressure right now to break out of panty heaven. Okay, so um, and I just want to add to my uh, persona when I'm fighting things. I, I take hit points as like morale to fight, I guess. So if you break their morale to fight, the fight's over, they're out of hit points. Because uh, I do magic damage, but it doesn't say specifically, like, oh, you shoot a lightning bolt. You yeah. Know? Like, I just want to break their will to fight. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Sure. But, um, yeah, all right, so... Obviously, that'd be more successful on some types of creatures than others. You uh, know, I don't know that you could I just want qualify, to like... it as this at, you know, face value for sure. what it is, and then we'll, we can add, you know, on top of that. Um, but I do not act well under pressure. I okay. Yikes. All right. Um, Can he at least, like, telepathically tell everyone else, like, hey, some shit's going down since they're still outside with the Science Fair project? They heard, they heard it. Yeah. They um, heard, so at this they point, know they know that something's happening, and I think... I can't give that to you. No, you're, you know, this heaven. is your dark side. This is... You're in panty heaven right Hey, the now. good news is I'm going to level up soon. <laughs> <laughs> All this, uh... Well, one of the things he can do is he, you can add um, plus to a, um, a stat. Yeah, for so sure. That's take, one of the basic improvements when you level up, is that you, you get to you choose add, to add so whatever your one to a stat. Is. Anyways, okay, so we cut back outside the house where the science fair is still happening. Um, at this point, I'd say you're about... 30 seconds from the machine being built, in which case you'd be ready to place it over the grave and activate it. All right. Can I finish the machine without him? Or because it's his machine, does he? You can operate the machine once it's built. Okay. Um, you cannot immediately take over the final, like, tweaks of the screwdriver or whatever. Gotcha. Okay. Because I was going to say... I've heard some commotion go down. Yes. My plan was, as soon as this machine's finished, as a man of action, I need to see what's going on. What <laughs> a great day for science. Excellent. So... But would I go investigate because no, you need it? No, the plan is... Well, that's what I've got to figure out. So if I have to finish this... Something happens, you need to finish it. I think I would go check it out at that yeah. point. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. So I'm going to go investigate what happened. Great. So uh, let's just say you're now in the house. You see the. Did she smash through a window? You see Ray Pape. Um, would you like to dive through the window, or would you like to take a little bit more time and run around the side of the house? Would love to dive through the window. Great, act under pressure. Give her an option. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. We yeah, have to die before we even figure this mystery. <laughs> well, Mark experience, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it would seem that we've, as you are now choosing, uh, as you'd like to now round the house, go through the front door at this point. Yes. All right. Yeah, so then that means we're back in the fight. Um, so let's. Uh, what would you like to do now? Well, um, I didn't realize at the time that this naked ape had like super armor or some shit so now i needed to put a weapon on so uh 
So you have two. Do you have gear, Red Viper? Viper? I don't. I've he got, does. Yeah. I've got, I, Brass, I have no guns. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Brass knucks and a heavy chain. So okay. I'm just as oh, the, big those, on the arm. Uh-huh. Red Viper takes a couple steps back and he's like, oh, "Okay, so we're doing this." So he reaches back and starts putting the chains on the hands. Does he go? Does he get the mitts ready? Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he's like, so this is like Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> and comes back in swinging again, so now we're throwing some, uh, some fists in. So do both of your items, just to clarify, but they both uh, specify close? Um, they don't, but they have to, man. They have to. Sure. I'm not imagining he's like whipping chains around. I don't know sure if you're like ghost, ghost rider no, no. or something but, like. Uh, that heavy chain does signature move. Does uh, plus two harm. It says hand area. Basically, I'm using my hands. I mean, right. If I'm doing drop kicks to this thing, having chains okay. on my hands is not going to help me. So you're plus two base, which is good. Which means if you uh, roll good on this, then uh, you know potentially you could do three. So it's so so now I'm going to kick some ass. Fuck me. Uh, six with the heavy chain. Okay. Um, uh, you're coming around the corner. I'm gonna let you help him out. Let's roll for that. Help him out. Great. Glad I offered that to you. <laughs> okay. Okay, how about this, though? Um, if I'm eating more shit here, uh, can I at least yell out for Lowe's? Sure. Yeah. These are rough you could do anything. You could do anything that a normal human can do. So I'm. I'm. Yes. I'm yelling for With low no roll. Yeah. I'm like Lowe's in Cincinnati, and I'm just like throwing bows at this thing. Yes. Okay. Doing no harm to it right now. None. All right. Great. So um. So you've now come around the corner. Um. You, we've had a failed attack from the luchador, and so now the monster's ready to. Uh, Slash with its claws because the bite is is an intimate attack. You know if you're hugging it like you were before, uh, the slash is is going to be the close attack. So um, let's see here. So that's going to be one harm against you, my friend. You want to use one of your lucks to uh, chant? You checking the dice? No, I'm good. I'm just I'm getting better dice now. <laughs> <laughs> what, was this, oh, what was the I, I statistic? Would. I mean, um, it's up to you. No, I'm, just I'm basically at the. I'm at three three damage right now. So this could be like if I take any more damage. Now it's going to be like I got to get to a hospital. If you take any more damage, you're going to be uh, unstable, as it says there, which are injuries that will get worse. That means right. you've taken like a deep cut or something, you're bleeding out. Which is not to say you're incapacitated, you can't attack, whatever. You guys are monster hunters. You're going to keep fighting until you're oh, fucking you're dead. Um, <laughs> and so, so, but yes, uh, if you take one more damage or more, then you're going to be unstable and, and we're going to need to... Yeah, look at that. All right, um, uh, let's have you roll the gun on Panty Heaven again. You are oh my god. god. Me yelling for him doesn't add a plus one to that? <laughs> okay, let's just have... You guys are aware of it. It already happened. I believe you all have communicated at this point that it's happened. You're both in the house. Full ability to uh, to roll on that. Let's see if we can get some perfect rolls and just get him out of this. Okay. So this is for help out plus cool. Why yeah. Everyone's just yelling, get out of panty and exactly. put the panties down. Nice. Well, let's roll. I'm in panty. Well, holy well, shit. shit. That's perfect. He's oh, out. Good. You saved the day. You broke out of it. And perfect using score. my hex on the monster. I'm going to 
just try to inflict harm on him. It's a one harm, ignore armor, magic obvious, but then the hex, I'm going to add uh, two harm, uh, magic, ignore armor. Okay, great. But I miss. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. oh. Okay, um... Uh, this is going bad fast. Can I roll the attack? Uh, no, you already rolled to help out. Uh, it's, um... broken out. Well, meanwhile, are we going to jump over to the action scientist? And I was going to say, yeah. I... Yeah. I want to I give you the chance to attack. I'm not going to just have you guys get killed here. <laughs> um, well, so, I bring them back. So, so you missed, um, but uh, helping out with him... You, you helped out with freeing him. So he's had time now to run down the stairs, attempt to cast a spell, little, like, fart noises and sparks fly out of his fingers, and he's like, oh no. And Any overload? So you've had, you've had a little bit of time to recover from summoning whatever energy you used to break him out of uh, his panty heaven, so let's, let's get an attack from you. Alright, so I have unholy strength, so I roll plus weird instead of plus tough, which I have three weird. Great. So what are you using um, uh, in terms of your weapon? What is this attack? Uh, teeth, because I have three harm, intimate attack, and it's ignore armor. Great. Perfect. Yeah. I'd like to show this. If this let's get up in it. Um, so then that would add a bonus as kick some ass. You inflict terrible harm, which is plus you one harm. Those. Or you can force them where you want them. Uh, you can suffer less harm, so then, or yeah, you force them where you want them, that's true. I say get them away from Red Viper. So you bite them and just go, bleh, toss them. Okay, we can force them where we want them. Toss them into fucking uh, Mr. Serban, that fuckface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throw them out the window. All right. The, okay. No, that window, you can't get through. That's no, true. She true. knows. That's she true. knows. That window. <laughs> so, three harm. You've bit into this thing and forcefully moved it with your giant jaws uh, into Mr. Serban, who you knock unconscious via doing that. Um, so he's no longer uh, what he was doing, which is pre presumably shouting encouragement, being a cheerleader to the rape ape. Um, <laughs> so, he's knocked out. Um, however, being as intimate as you are with this monster, it's going to get a chance to bite you right back. So, um... So, you're going to take, uh, two harm on that one. Two? Alright. Mm -hmm. Now, um... Let's cut over to action science. It's okay. been a while now, so your, your machine's say, definitely your machine's done. done. Um, so what are you doing? I'm the man of action. We need to see what's going on. I love that catchphrase. <laughs> it's true. Man of action. It's so good. Uh, so I got to go into here. I imagine that's going to take me a second. I see you're pretty much there. You guys pretty were building there. it like on top of her grave, practically. <laughs> so that's pretty much there. So I mean, right. if if you are positioning the machine, correct? Yes. You're definitely already doing that then, while these guys have been fighting it. If that's your move. And so I'd say you're you're activating the machine at this point, which, you know, because it took so long to build and all that magic and stuff, yeah, I'm not going to make you roll for that. You're just activating it. So it is uh, it is drilling into this girl's head, yes? <laughs> all right, all right. So I'm there. I see this monster. At this point, you, you see what's going on on the inside. You've been, you know, shielding your eyes enough to be able to see in the window and be like, oh, God. I so. put my glasses on. Mother God. Hit one of those. Yeah. Excellent. So, I'd like to switch it up a bit then. So, I have doors of perception, and that allows me to 
use sharp instead of weird for my magic, and I get an additional effect, which we found out works well. Mm -hmm. I can communicate with someone or something that you can't communicate with by normal means. Okay. I think I want to talk to this monster. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, let's let's roll for it. I'll, right. I'll allow that. Holy shit! Wow! Oh my god! His eyes going. Basically. That's exactly right. Yeah, you, you uh, see I saw Miami, put on your sunglasses, and then immediately turn it into like a Cyclops fingers. Yes. You're going That's for correct. it. We got this. Um, so, uh, with that uh, critical hit, um, what are you attempting to say to this monster, or ask it, or, or communicate? Did you kill this little girl? <laughs> <laughs> you get two I'd say you get... Two. Two things you can say to it uh, because it's a critical hit. Okay. Yeah. I get two on the critical hit. Yes. Uh, will you join us? I mean... Cast number one, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll say our keeper scoffing confidently tells me that that's not... I, I don't think yes. he's going to join us. No! All right. All right. All right. Uh, well, then, instead of question to make a statement to, we're going to say fucking Nikolai's been betraying you and lying to you, you gotta kill him. Okay. Okay, so, um... Nikolai's it, down. He's out right now. It listens to you, um, and, uh... What kind of life does it have under the house as a skinless monster? It loved the servants very dearly. Oh, um, so it's, so uh, they, they've, they've been feeding it, they take care of it, they'll give it, you know, treats for... Months they've had this this thing, uh, the rape ape living under this house. So, um, but because of uh, your your great role on uh, perception, there the oh, what is it called? Doors to the doors, doors of perception. Doors of perception by using advanced psychological, pharmacological, or mental Ooh. interface techniques. You uh, you did not convince it to kill Nikolai. You couldn't convince it to do that. It's been, uh, he's been its master for so long. Yeah. However, you have confused it. It's maybe thinking, it's like it just read an Ayn Rand book or something, and it's like, <laughs> what doth life? Um, and so uh, it's pretty much distracted and confused for, uh, for a couple turns there. So good job. All right. Um, Great. So uh, we're back in the house, right? And you, you're in the, just to double check with you, um, Xavier, you're in the process of operating this machine, right? Oh, uh, well, no, I thought I left the machine. I finished it. So where are now you? Now I, I had to go to the house. He's, he's okay. in the action. Yeah. So, so you ran around to the house then? Like to yeah. the door? Well, I imagine he did the perception mind melt through the window. Through the window. Did you? Okay. And now he's on his way while... So up to you. Okay, so, so if, that, if that makes sense to you, if you're doing it through the window, so you're still not quite in the house yet, is that okay with you, or...? Oh, uh, it's totally fine. Okay. Uh, great, so the machine's in its process, it's drilling. Uh, Xavier's outside, everyone else is inside confronting this monster still, who is now... Philosophizing. Um, okay. So uh, why don't we head back to our luchador? What do you What do you want to do right now, buddy? Uh, Red Viper goes. You know, I think it was Nietzsche who once said, "And I fucking do the signature move on this thing." Like, so. <laughs> so it's a serpent snap DDT. Is a choke slam backbreaker variation <laughs> with a DDT attached to the end. Uh, so I'm gonna roll plus tough. Come on, mm -hmm. I believe in you. Fuck me. <gasps> If anybody wants to try to help me out right now, the other two people uh, in the house. That's right, oh, you, were broken, out of out, yeah. you were broken out of the house. You were broken out of the house. 
I crit fail again. Kind of working these dice. <laughs> okay, so uh, you slip and fall. Oh, and then he goes, "Don't fuck it up!" And then I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Can you do it? No, I gotta, I gotta say something like right away. Uh, there's um, nothing you, you can't do. Here's the thing. So, before we try and help out here, just to consider. So, if you were to succeed on a seven right now, just tell me how much harm you're doing. Uh, let's see. Do one harm and take plus one going forward. On a miss, your opponent counters the move. Okay, well, this thing's got one armor, so uh, if you succeed helping him, all you're really doing is giving him plus one forward. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not going to let you, you know, roll and be like, yeah, and then you punch it and nothing happens. Right. So um, it, you need at least a two harm attack to, to hurt this thing because of its. Uh, oh, wait a minute, hold on. So I decided to screw you. I do have the. Um, I've got my. Uh, I had the heavy chain, but that doesn't ultimately super help. I mean, the chain around the neck, but that's not really... I'm thinking about it physically. Is the ch- I mean, it, be, uh, be honest, is there a... The, it, would, could you use the weapon in your signature move? Um, not really. You said you grab him by the neck. No. You grab him by the neck, and then it's like the on the knee, and then kind of flip through and then grab. So I guess technically in the fifth flip through, if I still had the chain on, that would hurt. Nah. You could wrap the chain around your knee. That's true. You could wrap the chain around my dick. You could. Um, That'll really hurt it. Yeah, let's do that then. So, uh, the, well, it doesn't matter anyway, because I still didn't get it. So We'll hop them out. It would have done right, too hard. Right, well, but. Okay, so 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 you're you're like midway through failing it. You're wrapping the chain around your knee right. like, all right, Wolfie. <laughs> let's do this. Got you. Okay, so the so you pull the chain too tight, you sort of cut off the circulation in your leg, and you're like, oh no, and you like, <laughs> and you have to back off and take a second to undo the chain. On any, any failed roll, right? That you try to make yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine, unless it turned into a successful. Like what oh, we were talking about, if if someone yeah. had helped you out to turn yeah. into a successful roll, but on a help out, right. then uh, if well, it's I'm a fail, it's a fail. I'm following up here because right. I shit the bed on every roll. I, I All right. Nice. <laughs> within the last scene of failing multiple times in a row. Excellent. So I'm okay with that. Spooky, let's let's see some of your, your badassery over here. All we've gotten is panty sniffing from I'm, you I'm so far. I'm with the big whammy. I use okay. my powers to kick some ass. I roll plus weird instead of tough. The attack that has two harm, close, obvious, ignore armor, and miss, you get magical backlash. Um, Great, let's do it. All right. Big whammy. That's yeah, a good one. That's what we need. Um, does, that, does it say you get a bonus? Well, you'll get a bonus because you're kicking some ass. So, so you're adding plus harm anyway. So yeah. it's... Terrible. And you said it's three harm already? Or how many? I, I, it, I'm going to do the two harm, uh, ignore armor. Sure. And then um, I'm going to take a plus one forward. Sure. Great. So two harm, uh, ignore armor. Uh, you got this thing on the ropes, guys, at this point. Jeffy, you want to finish it off? Yes, I do. I'm going to try to bite him again. Inviting. Great. Great. So, what was your uh, attack on that? Uh, what's your bite? Oh, great. Well, in that case, you've like overkilled it. You go in for the bite, um, just intending to kind of go for its jugular, pierce it. You know, maybe hopefully it'll just bleed out, and instead you bite its entire head clean off of its body. You bite straight through its neck, its head falls off of its body and lands uh, pretty much right on top of Nikolai, who's still passed out. So he'll get that to wake up to. 
Yeah. Uh, fantastic. So, congrats, guys. You beat uh, your your monster there. So, what's next? Hey, we almost killed one of our own people too. Woo! Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do I start healing? I, do I need to go back to the limo to heal up? Like, what am I doing there? Um, uh, uh, nobody has any heal moves, no, right? I can heal myself. I, I can just build yourself. Oh. That's true. You can build a healing machine. Um, we'll also say uh, you can either go to the limo or there's like a general store in town. I say go to the go. limo because... Uh, was it the missus? Oh, she was left in there. Her husband, you almost killed, by the way. And she's just passed out in there, still presumably. Or maybe she's awake so by not now. Cincinnati. This is Baltimore. <laughs> That's tricky. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so. Well, then I. Uh, okay, so. This is going to tits up real quick. Alright, so. I guess the three of you go see what you find with the dead girl. I gotta go get Mrs. Servant out of the limo and come up with a very elaborate lie on the way back. Explain to her that rape babe spontaneously combusted. <laughs> that uh, she's now off. saving on a, uh, a stocking for Christmas this year. So keep one in the shed. Uh, so yeah, I I'll, I'll, I'll be back as soon as I can. Will Mrs. Serban accept the Red Viper's lies? What will happen when Nikolai wakes up? What other monsters await our team? Find out next time on Team Viper Ghost Patrol. Sure, I just sort of cross my eyes and just go, ha, honey, this thing called me an asshole. This script <laughs> called me an asshole. This dailies from today's shooting called me an asshole.